The following message was recorded at Fountain of Life Fellowship in Fountain Valley, California. For more information, visit www.folfcrc.com. Paul's letter to the Romans, chapter 12, starting in verse 9. As Romans, chapter 12, verse 9. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. These are the true words of God. Great to be with you guys. Thanks so much for being here. Let's pray. We'll dive into God's word together. Heavenly Father, we're so thankful for your love to us, Lord, how you've done everything necessary to make us your children. And Lord, as we think together today about your love and the love that you call us to uh, towards one another, Father, we pray that your spirit would be with us richly. Lord, just don't just speak to our heads, though, please do that. Lord, warm our hearts and uh, move us towards you and towards one another as we look at your word. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. All right, as we said, we're uh, moving away from the Gospel of Luke for a couple weeks. I did want to remind you that on September 23rd, we're going to celebrate something called Freedom Sunday. Um, So there we'll look at God's concern for justice. We'll look at the issue of modern slavery. And then we want to talk about our partnership with this great group called International Justice Mission. So that's going to be September 23rd. That's a great week to invite your friends. Um, So invite your friends to that. That'll be September 23rd. The next two weeks, I wanna try to uncover with you what's kind of a a diamond hidden in the rough of plain sight. So sometimes we're studying scripture together and we're we're pushing deep into theology, right? The study of the nature of God. Other times, we're getting real practical and it's nuts and bolts. And hopefully the next two weeks will be like that. Just real, real practical about the Christian life. So we're going to talk about something that seems uh, maybe unexciting at first glance. Uh, You heard the word hospitality as Chris was telling you about it. How'd you feel? We want to talk about hospitality. And you're, oh, how many of you were like digging on that? You were like, I'm I'm just dying for him to talk about hospitality today. No. Okay. That's all right. That's all right. What do you think of when you hear the word hospitality? What do you think of? Maybe, hear, maybe think of certain jobs in the field of hospitality. You know, oh, I work at a hotel or I run a restaurant. That's not what we're talking about today. Or maybe you think of uh, Martha Stewart-ish kind of things, and you think of all those magazines, and you, you ever look through those magazines, and the house is like perfect. You ever have house envy when you're uh, looking at those magazines? Uh, does anybody ever have house envy? Okay, I think we all do sometimes, right? We, we all need this house that feels just right, looks just right, out the windows is just right, it's just right. And, and none of us have those. <laughs> Some more than others, but, but you get the sense of house and it's just, it's set up perfectly. And then when you invite people over, what's the food like? Oh, it's just, you know, gourmet and I got all the ingredients from across the world and, you know, I've been baking it all day long and it came out just right and it said just right on this little thing. None of that is what we're talking about today. That's not what the Bible is thinking of when it talks about hospitality. But I would like you to think about the idea of home for a second. Think about the idea of home. 
What does your home mean to you? Or at least, what do you wish your home meant to you? What do you long for it to be like? So I'm not, I'm not talking there about the structure and you wish it was larger or smaller or colder or in a place with more trees. Or, that's not what I'm talking about. But I'm talking about your sense of home. What does that mean to you? Obviously, it's in a place. But in that place, hopefully, it's safety in a world of danger, right? You go home and you're, you're in a safe place for yourself. It's also a place where you're welcome, in a world of hostility and strangers. Home, you want it at least to be a place where you belong here at home. Or home is a place where you're known by others and included. You matter, you count, and you're, and you're seen and known more intimately, but, and, and you're loved, you're accepted. At least that's what home should be. Home is where physical and relational needs are met. Think of all the basic things that keep you alive that keep you healthy, most of that happens at home. Home is, in a, is the place where in a hard world you find rejuvenation, you find energy again. So what are we talking about when we're talking about hospitality? We're talking about sharing that sense of home that we have and inviting others into it and, and giving a sense of home to the other, to the stranger, bringing them in to our home. It's no small things. So the next two weeks, I, I was trying to name my sermon series because pastors need to do that, right? It's like an unspoken rule. So I'm calling it Hospitality in the Hood, okay? <laughs> now you're all like, that is so corny. You know, we are not the hood at all. I agree, I'm sorry. It's corny. But let me put it like this. This week is hospitality in the brotherhood, the sisterhood. You, the church, hospitality to one another. Um, us, okay? That's what this is about. And then next week we want to think a little bit about hospitality in the neighborhood, okay? The, the not in these world walls, the not us, okay? So forgive me. I know we're not very hoodish. But this week, hospitality in the brotherhood, the sisterhood, the church, our local church, next week, hospitality in the neighborhood. What could it mean? So I wanna think through four parts with you today as we begin. I just wanna take these in the form of questions. Number one, why hospitality? Number two, why not hospitality? So those are your objections. No, why hospitality? Why not hospitality? Three, how to do it, part one. And four, how to do it, part two. Okay, are you ready? You sound ready. Why hospitality? Number one, let's just start real basic. Number one, hospitality is a command. Did you see it in Romans chapter 12, verse 13? Paul is uh, giving directions to Christian for how to live the Christian life, okay? And what does he say there in Romans 12, 13? Contribute to the needs of the saints, you see it? So when your brothers and your sisters in the, in the church have needs, contribute. And then there's this last phrase, seek to show hospitality. Seek to show hospitality. Now just from, you know, reading this letter, is that a suggestion? Where's the next part of the verse when it's like, when you have the perfect house and tons of money and no inconvenience in, in your life, then work on hospitality occasionally, like at Christmas. Is that what it says? It says, seek to show hospitality. And where does it say, if you're in a certain kind of a season of life, you can do hospitality, but don't worry about it otherwise. 
Where's like the disclaimer? Or does it just say, hey, Christians, seek to show hospitality? I wanna unpack this language with you because it's stronger than it appears in the English. This first word, it's, it's one word where we're getting seek to show. I wanna show you what it means. Seek to show hospitality. This word seek means to run swiftly in order to catch something. So there's effort in this. It also means to press on with endurance. So you're gonna, you're gonna keep seeking. And then it says it's to, it means to seek after eagerly or earnestly endeavor to acquire. So what kind of passion and effort are we putting into this seeking? Is it casual or is it pretty inten- intentional? Is it, is it a one-time thing or is it a lifestyle thing? Well, it's intentional and it's a lifestyle thing. Keep seeking, go after it, work at it, work hard at it. And then, of course, it's keep seeking hospitality. It's worth unpacking this Greek word, what hospitality means. So if you, have you ever heard of uh, xenophobia? Have you heard of that word? Xenophobia. Phobia, you know what that means, right? Fear of, okay? Xeno, the word there is about uh, strangers or strange things. So you have xenophobe, you don't like to go uh, out in crowds, too many strangers, you don't wanna be put in in situations where you don't know things or know how things are going. Fear of the strange, fear of the outsider, xenophobia, okay? Hospitality, this Greek word, takes the root, uh, like Philadelphia, philo, philo, love, and then puts it with xeno, the stranger, Philoxenia, love for the outsider, love for the stranger, bringing the stranger in to intimate places, into a sense of home. So if I was defining New Testament hospitality, it's something like this, sharing or welcoming others into home, and all that home means, acceptance, resources for sure, service, provision, but, but more than any of that, relationship. A, a fellowship and a relationship with a stranger. So you're, so you're taking to someone who's outside your inner circle and outside your inner provision and you're bringing that person who's, who's strange in the sense that you're, they're outside of your inner circle and you're saying, come on in. Come on in to this inner sense of home. Hospitality, seek to show hospitality. And for Christians, this starts with one another. It starts with one another. It's a command for the, the culture, the community of the local church. Now, if you've, if you've been to any church for a while, there's a couple things I think that happen. I think it happens in any social group, right? You immediately connect with a certain kind of person, a certain group of people, right? There are people it's more easy for you to be friends with right, okay, it's okay, it's normal, it happens for all of us. And then there's these other people where they seem still a little strange, okay? Now because of the root word in this uh, text, I get to make fun of y'all a little bit. Did you know y'all are strange, okay? And many of you are thinking that I am strange, okay? There's some of you where you, we connect with certain people more than others, and the rest, hmm, it's strange. I know I'm supposed to like you and be nice to you, but you're, you're over there, I'm over here, and I'm kind of okay with that a little bit. 
But this church thing is, hey, now that you have this one thing in common, this ultimate thing in common, where you're a child of God through Jesus Christ, that obliterates all the other differences. If you look at what Christianity has done in the history of the world, it obliterates the differences in a caste system, where now the way up highs and the way up lows are brought together, and they're supposed to be together in hospitality. Or in a New Testament letter, in the same community, you would have masters and slaves, and now they're brought into this equal place in Christ, and they are to show hospitality to one another. There's this magnet thing called hospitality, which breaks down the strangeness because we're in Christ, and we're supposed to welcome one another in. It starts with one another, welcoming one another into the inner circle. And it's a mark of Christian maturity. The practice of hospitality is a mark of Christian maturity. Look at 1 Peter 4.9. I just want to show you other places in the New Testament. 1 Peter 4.9. What does that say? Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. Now look at Hebrews 13.2. Probably look at this text more next week. What does it say? Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers. Or even for elders, leaders in the church, look at what one of the qualifications is. So this shows you, this is a mark of maturity. Titus 1, 7 and 8, an overseer as God's steward must be above reproach. He must not be arrogant or quick-tempered or drunkard or violent or greedy for gain, but what? Hospitable. Hospitality is a mark of Christian maturity. So what do you see so far? Is it like an option for certain kinds of Christians or is it in everybody? I don't think there's any doubt that some people are gifted with a gift of hospitality. They're just amazing at it. It comes natural for them. They love to do it. And others of us will, will struggle with it. We'll need help. And that, that's, that's okay. That's normal. But for everyone, right, this is, a, this is meant to be a lifestyle practice. Why? Why is it so important? Why is it so important? Well, isn't it, isn't it easy as Christians to say we're supposed to love but to not really live it out. Isn't that a problem for the Christian church as a whole? I mean, I've never heard of a Christian movement where it's like, we're down with love. No love, okay? We hereby reject the second great commandment. Don't love your neighbor. I've never even heard of that, right? I've never heard of a Christian movement explicitly say, all, you know, Thomas, and Je- Thomas Jefferson, right? He cut out all the miracles out of his Bible, you know? Have you met a Christian who cuts out all the love verses out of their Bible? Nobody does that, and yet so often Christians are known for a lack of love. Or even you'll try to go to a church, and you'll try to fit in, you'll try to connect, and people will say, I never felt loved. Maybe there's a lot of reasons for that. Maybe it's not always their fault. Maybe it's our fault. Who knows whose fault it is? But it's this sense that we don't live out this glaringly obvious thing, that there's no debate over this. Love. Hospitality is love in action. I want to show you again the logic of these three major verses on hospitality. So back in our text for today, Romans 12.9, what does 12.9 say? Read it with me, the first sentence. Let love be genuine. Okay, now look at verse 10. Love one another with brotherly affection. So love should feel like family in a local church as much as you can. And then that last command in our text today, verse 13. Seek to show hospitality. Do you see a connection? 
When you love a group of people, what's a practice you wanna, you wanna keep as a discipline? Hospitality. Look at Hebrews 13.1. What's the command in Hebrews 13.1? Let brotherly love continue. Again, church, love one another like family. Next command, verse two. Don't neglect to show hospitality. Let's look at another one. 1 Peter 4.8. Above all, what? Keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Church, love one another. Now verse nine, what are you supposed to do? Show hospitality. Do you see the connection? When you love your brothers and sisters in Christ, there's a lifestyle practice that should be taking place all the time, and what is it? Hospitality, okay? So do you see how this is kind of a diamond in the rough of the obvious? Because I think, I mean, I'm not, I'm not teaching you this as the ultimate example on hospitality. I, I admit that. I have room to grow. And I think as a church, we have a lot of room to grow on this diamond in the rough on how to practically, actually, deeply love and minister to one another. It's not some huge program. It doesn't take billions of dollars. It doesn't take skilled teachers flying in from all over to give us the magic secret. It's you welcoming you more deeply into one another's lives. And that puts skin on love. That puts reality on this love one another. It, it helps us be who we are. It helps us be who we are. We have this thing we already are ontologically, okay? If you believe, if you trust in Jesus Christ, you're my sister, you're my brother, right? Amen? This is your spiritual family, amen, okay? How can you live that out and feel it? Well, treat one another like family. Welcome them in. Welcome one another in, especially the stranger, okay? Am I telling you to quit hanging out or fellowshipping with the people you're closest to? Of course not, it's ridiculous. Keep going. But am I trying to encourage you to welcome those who aren't your closest best friends that you've known forever in. Absolutely. And it's not, I don't think biblically it's a suggestion. You wanna follow Christ? Let's go, this is how you do it. You know, um, there's a historian, Edwin Hatch, and he's just one of many who says that as Christianity grew in, in the first century, you know, the cultural atmosphere was schism. You became a Christian, you lost your job, maybe you lost your wife, your, your wife, your life in many places, okay? What kept them together and helped them grow, some historians say, you know what it was? It was their practice of hospitality towards one another. So here's a quote from uh, historian Edwin Hatch. He says, for Christianity was and grew because it was a great fraternity, the name brother came to be the ordinary designation by which a Christian ad addressed his fellow Christian. Now, we're so used to that, right? Hey, brother, hey, sister. We're so used to that in a church setting. But do you know how strange that is? You know how weird that is? It was weird in the first century. You don't do that with people you're, who are outside of your inner circle. And now all of a sudden, I'm gonna take somebody who's a stranger and say, brother, sister, and bring you in to that level? What on earth would do that? Just the gospel. To finish Edwin's quote, he says, it vivid, hospitality vividly expressed a fact, a real fact, a Christian found wherever he went in the community of his fellow Christians, a welcome in hospitality. The practice of hospitality was enjoined as the common virtue of all Christians. 
It makes us who we are. We, we grew out of hospitality as the church. Now, you know, back in those days, you needed it more. Maybe in poverty, you need it more. In a village setting, you need it more. And here we are now, we're independent, right? We have walls around our living spaces. We, we, can, we have everything we need if you just have the internet and can go to a grocery store, supposedly. We don't, we don't need to connect in the same way. But do you think this principle then should be abandoned or do you think it's God's word for God's church? Why hospitality? It's the command that puts love in action and helps us be who we are. Does that make sense? It puts love in action and helps us be who we are. Okay, now, why not hospitality? Because is anyone having some things going through their mind on why, well, this can't be true for you? Or it's too hard for you to do? Come on, folks. You know, it's interesting, 1 Peter 4, 9, Peter said, show hospitality to one another without grumbling. Why does he have to say that? <laughs> Why has he got to say that? He has to say it because he knows hospitality has a cost. The practice of hospitality comes with a cost. It hurts. It's expensive. It has to fit in the budget of your life to practice hospitality. Number one, it's a risk, right? What if you invite people over and they don't come? What if even worse, you invite them over and they don't like you? What if even worse than that, that you invite them over and you don't like them? It's a risk. What if you go to somebody's house and it's weird? Or here's, here's a risk. So I'm talking about it to our church. And uh, we're missing some people today, but, you know, here's the church. And, and most of you are going to hear I'm saying, hey, uh, invite people over. And what if you sit here after a month and go, I never got invited over? It's a risk. What could happen in your heart? Oh, this church isn't as loving as they say they want to be. Okay? It's a risk. All of a sudden it stirs up, what, insecurity or status issues or, 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 or unforgiveness or you're just, I, I never, they talked about hospitality. I never, I'm leaving. I'm going to go somewhere else. And I, I went to this church. They talked about hospitality. I never got invited. It's a risk to talk about hospitality. It's a risk to practice it. Number two, it's a sacrifice. It's a sacrifice. You know this, right? When you do have people over, what you got to do? I gotta clean this place up. It takes time to prepare. It takes resources to get whatever it is. Even if you're making peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, by the way, which is fine in New Testament hospitality, I'd way rather you have a good conversation over peanut butter and jelly than I'll be stressed out to make your lasagna perfect or whatever it is, right? It's not about gourmet meals for Christian hospitality. It's about gourmet relationships around Jesus Christ. But there's sacrifice in hospitality. Relating to people is hard sometimes, especially, I mean, we're saying it's the stranger. They think different. They care about different things. Maybe they have a different background, a different socioeconomic thing, a different culture. Ah, just ask questions. But it's a sacrifice. Moreover, it goes contrary to our culture's view of home and space. How does our culture see your home? And it's raised you to see your home in a certain way. Anybody ever see the Superman movies? What's that place he had in uh, the North Pole or whatever? The Fortress of Solitude, okay? <laughs> and that's, I think, the modern view of home. It is your fortress of solitude, <laughs> okay? I'm here, and the rest of the world stays out there because this is the place where I have control, 
and I make it look and, and feel a certain way, and this is the place I get entertained, and I'm tired and I'm busy, and this is the place I rest. My home is my fortress of solitude. But I wanna ask you about your home and your entire life if you're a Christian. Because Jesus says that when he um, saved people, he ransomed them, which means he bought you. He bought you with his blood, which means you're his. Uh, and all of you and all you have are his. They're all gifts from him. So plug this in for me. If you and all you have are his, what does that mean about your home? It's his. It's not yours. And you steward it. It is meant to bring you rest and relaxation. There is a Sabbath aspect to home. There should be. But it's also meant for you to provide that Sabbath aspect to others. And it's not your home. And if you cut out Jesus in ministry from your home, you realize what percentage of your life is in home? You can cut out ministry from 70% of your whole self. Do you wanna do that? Look at what Dustin Willis says. He wrote a book, a helpful book about uh, hospitality. Uh, I don't like the title, To Change the World, because you know, we're always talking about changing the world, whatever. But it's a good book on hospitality. And this is what Dustin Willis says. He says, biblical hospitality is the polar opposite of cultural trends to separate and isolate. It rejects the notion that life is best spent fulfilling our own self-centered desires, cordoned off from others in the private fortresses we call homes. Biblical hospitality chooses to engage rather than unplug, open rather than close, initiate rather than sit idly by. You know, I, my second point here is framed by this question, why not hospitality? Alexander Strzok, has written a book about the hospitality commands, and he says, here's the biggest why not. See what you think. Alexander Strzok says, at heart, we are selfish. And selfishness is the single greatest enemy of hospitality. We do not want to be inconvenienced. We do not want to share our privacy or time with others. We are consumed with our personal comforts. We want to be free to go about our business without interference or concern for others. We don't want the responsibility and work that hospitality entails. We're greedy and don't want to share our food, home, or money. We're afraid that we will be used or that our property will sustain damage. All of these attitudes are selfish, and selfishness is sin. It's sin. It just, if you just do the, the biblical math, right, to love one another means to offer hospitality. To refuse to love is to sin. To refuse to offer hospitality is to sin. All right, so we looked at why hospitality, it's a command, it's, it's putting skin on love. Number two, why not? Well, because we're selfish. Number three, how part one, how do we offer hospitality part one? Well, I want you to think just about the nature of your salvation. Think about the nature of your salvation. Let's start with a psalm, Psalm 65, verse one. So you hear the people reading the psalm, praise is due to you, O God in Zion, and to you shall vows be performed. So in other words, we love you, God, we wanna live for you. Verse two, o, to you, o you who hear prayer, to you shall all flesh come. So, so God is a he's, a, he's a God who's close and he's near and he's inviting all the nations. Everybody can come and know him and belong to him. 
Verse three, when iniquities prevail against me, you atone for our transgressions. So in other words, God, I don't, I don't deserve to come and be close to you. I've, I've sinned against you, I've rebelled, I haven't loved you, I haven't loved my neighbor, I've broken your law, I, sh- I should be the stranger and the outsider. But verse three, when iniquities prevail against me, you atone for our transgressions. So God will forgive this. Verse four, blessed is the one you choose and bring near to what? Dwell in your courts. We shall be satisfied with the goodness of your house, the holiness of your temple. You see this picture of salvation? Where do you get to live? In God's house. At whose cost? At his cost. He invites us into his house. The picture of heaven is a wedding feast. It's hospitality. As we'll keep going through Luke, Jesus is always using hospitality imagery. The kingdom of heaven is like a man throwing a feast. Or when the prodigal son comes home, the father throws him a feast. God is always this lavish party thrower who brings in total enemies and strangers to sit at his table. Or you think of John 14, 2. Listen to the words of Jesus. In my Father's house there are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself that where I am you may be also. That's an exciting verse to imagine. What is Jesus preparing for you? a place, a home. He's making for you the perfect home, the home you dream of with all those heart needs. Welcome, beauty, peace, safety, love. Jesus is preparing that and he's invited you in so that you can live with him forever. And what was the cost to get you to live in God's house? What was the payment that could make a sinful rebel like me into a child that can move in? Well, you know what it was, right, church? It was the cross. It was the cross. The cross is where Jesus lived a perfect life and obeyed in every way, in ways we couldn't and haven't and didn't want to perfectly. The cross is where he died on the cross for all your sins personally, for those who repent and trust him. And he rose from the dead. And if you, if you trust him, think of these names he gives you. Forgiven, adopted, welcomed. What was the cost for you to enjoy the salvation hospitality of God himself? It was Jesus' life and his death. What kind of a cost did God pay to bring you into his living room? Are you amazed by that? Are you in awe of that? That he would want to bring you in like that? Really, hospitality is this illustration of what it just means to be a Christian. You've been brought home. You've been brought home. Look at Romans 15, 7. This is this incredible principle. Romans 15, 7. Therefore, welcome who? One another as... Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. How do you start to want to do hospitality? 
you realize the love of God for you and his hospitality towards you, right? I'm a mess. I'm inconvenient. I'm, a, I'm noisy. I'm, I'm, I don't always live according to the culture of the family, right? And yet he brings me in. And that makes me, if that changed our orientation, what would you want to do with the different, the other? They're a mess too. They're noisy. They're weird. Bring them in as Christ has welcomed you. That's how part one, and that's the most important. Here's a how part two. How part two. How do we, as a church, just, let's just say, move forward. Let's just say, improve in this biblical practice of hospitality. Number one, I think you want a hospitable heart before you want a lot of hospitable appointments. Pray for a heart of openness and generosity towards one another, where you have a sense of preciousness about one another, to where there's a sense of you are inclined towards wanting to welcome one another in. Pray for that kind of love. Two, get ready for actions of hospitality when you come on Sunday mornings. Get ready for actions of hospitality when you come on Sunday mornings. You guys, even just genuinely and honestly greeting one another especially the, the newer person on Sunday mornings, is a wonderful picture of real hospitality. I mean, I have stories, and I won't mention any names because I don't want to embarrass anybody, but there are stories of people who come in and say, the thing that made me stick was this person came and welcomed me in such a genuine and a sincere way. I couldn't, I couldn't ignore that. I couldn't leave that behind. That was hospitality, okay? Some of you are awesome at it. Some of us don't even have it on our radar, we're just like trying to survive and get here. Maybe adjust the radar and look for hospitality on Sunday morning. When we do greetings, some people love it, some people hate it. You know, greetings, right? We sing a couple songs and we greet one another. Some of us are like looking at our watch and like, stop, okay? Others are like, this is embarrassing. I'm an introvert. Don't make me talk to people, okay? It's okay. Others of, others of us are like, can we greet for, for 15 minutes, 20 minutes, please? I'm just gonna keep walking around the circle, you know? Well, however we greet, that's also a biblical command. We break it a little. I could take you to Peter, right? Greet one another with a holy kiss. Depending on who you're sitting next to, that'll, that'll change a lot, right, on how you like that command. That's a cultural thing, right? Please don't kiss one another like that. Um, that would be very awkward. I don't think that would welcome people. Um, but what does it mean, though? What's the principle under it? You live out in different cultural ways. Really show other people that you're truly glad that they are here. Welcome them into this home space. <coughs> Try to remember their name. Don't be embarrassed when you forget their name. How many of you would say, I'm really bad at remembering names? Okay. I have never met anyone who's like, hi, I'm Steve, and I am so good at remembering people's names. <laughs> I don't know that person. If they exist, there's like three of them, and they're not telling us about it, okay? It's a struggle for everyone. If you don't remember somebody's name, let me give you something really, really crazy that you can do. Are you ready? This is insane. It's going to blow your mind. Are you ready? Go like this. I'm sorry, I forgot your name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
That's what you do. That's what you do. You ask them again. But you're showing, that. do you care when somebody asks for your name again because they want to remember your name? Does that bother anyone when they're trying to remember your name? No, it's an act of love. They were trying to remember my name. We, we all know it's hard to remember names. It's, it's small things that are big things on Sunday mornings. Hey, sometimes we have luncheons. Sometimes we have luncheons. Sometimes it feels like pulling teeth to do the luncheon. And I wonder, should we just drop luncheons? Because it's hard work. It has a cost. Have you ever heard of the 80-20 principle? 20% of the people do 80% of the work. Happens in companies. It happens in churches. But do we want to be a hospitable people? What if we had this vision of like, when we do a lunch, we are going to welcome one another as Christ has welcomed us. And there's gonna be more than enough. And everybody's gonna set to contribute to, to setting up and to bringing stuff and then to listening to one another and enjoying one another and cleaning it up, right? I sound like my mom, don't I? Let's all contribute. <laughs> Every mom too, not just my mom. Love you, mom. My mom's here today. Yeah, yeah, that's right. It's every mom. Can, I, can all the moms give, give me an amen? Okay, right? That's right. That's right. So invest in that. Be more hospitable. But now let's land it, uh, let's land it even more deeply, okay? Invite a stranger the next week, the next month, into your inner space, okay? Ho- going to coffee with someone and listening to them and hanging out counts as hospitality. Absolutely. It counts. It counts as hospitality. Or let's make it even worse, right? Invite somebody to go to lunch after church. And maybe even decide you're going to put it in your budget that you buy somebody lunch once a whatever. Somebody you don't know and you talk to them and you listen to them and you talk about worship and the scriptures and you go deeper in loving one another. Or make it even bigger. What if, what if every, every once of whatever, you were gonna invite people over after church for lunch? Or if that doesn't work for you, you're gonna do one Friday night a month and you're gonna try to go through our new directory, which is coming out very soon, and you're going to hang out with people in your church that you don't know very well and you're gonna invite them over. Do you think that would help or hinder our church culture for the glory of God. It's love with skin on it. I was thinking about ways to program hospitality. You know, you know what program means? We're gonna have a special service and a special training and special whatevers. Um, I've got too many efforts that I'll share with you. One is, say some of you said, next week, I want to have people over for lunch. And we knew about that. And then whoever could make it could come. There's a sign up. Let's try it. There's a sign up out there. And you say, next week, people can come over for lunch. And then, uh, and then you, you just you find somebody or, or somebody finds you. Or here's another one, okay? We have different resources for hospitality, Right? If you're in college, maybe you live in a studio apartment. You're like, I can have half a person over. (laughs) Okay? 
Or maybe you're in a different stage of life and you have a house and lots of room in it, but you don't really have a lot of help. Do you see what could happen here? What if you, there's, a, there's another sign up. What if you sign up and say, I want to help with hospitality? Why couldn't church be like this? Hey, I have the house. Hey, I like to cook. Hey, I can help set up and clean up. Let's join together and we're gonna do hospitality as a team and we're gonna invite some others over and we're gonna do that together. Wouldn't that be cool? You're partnering together, you're serving one another, you're engaging together. Sign up to share the load. All right, disclaimer. Maybe I'm, uh, my conscience is haunting me. Maybe I, I, I overspoke earlier when I said it's always time to do hospitality. Let me baby. Or, um, or, um, or you're sick. Or you've got other people you have to care for. But, but those moments aren't a time where there shouldn't be hospitality. Those moments are a time where you should be receiving hospitality. Okay? Those moments are times where you should be receiving hospitality. And so I, I think we, we're, we do a healthy job at that, but let's increase with seeing needs in the one another and meeting needs with hospitality. Okay, so church, what's the Lord want you to do? Offer hospitality. Why? Because that's how God has loved you. And you put skin on your love for one another as you continue to seek out hospitality for his glory where the strangers become friends. Be careful, okay? So if you don't get invited, should you go uh, feel self-pity in a corner? If you don't get invited, what should you do? Invite someone, okay? If you get rejected, what should you do again? Invite someone else. Keep seeking to show hospitality. Let me finish with this, Hebrews 13 too. Hebrews 13, 2, don't neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. Now, in context, the author of Hebrews is writing to a Jewish audience, and he's remembering those great stories with Abraham, right? He sees, Abraham sees two travelers, and he's like, hey, come over for dinner, and he feeds them, and it ends up being like two angels and pre-incarnate Jesus Christ or something, (laughs) okay? Now, do you think, interpretively, that the author of Hebrews is really wanting you to expect that you might have an angel over for dinner. I don't think that's the best interpretation. You are all angelic, let me tell you, right? So as you have one another, no, okay. What is the author of Hebrews saying? This is what I think he's saying. Hospitality is so boringly normal in a way. What are you doing? You're making food, don't you do that all the time? Um, You're sitting and eating, don't you do that all the time? You're washing things afterwards, don't you do that all the time? I mean, what is more just not electrifying, not fireworks than hospitality? It's so normal. But as you invite the stranger into your inner space, with the love of Jesus as the focus, to welcome, to talk, to share, 
maybe even to pray, maybe even to to be brothers and sisters in Christ, because we're in the sisterhood, the brotherhood this morning. When you do that, this text is saying you have no idea what God can do through that normal. That normal setting can become something extraordinary in the grace of God. Think about these commands. You will will certainly not lose your reward, Jesus says, when you offer a cup of water to one another. When when a brother or sister is lonely and hurting and you listen to them, that is not a small thing in God's eyes. When we grow, I mean, the, the greatest command for one another is love one another and show that you're my disciples. It's not a small thing to love one another in normal things. It's a great thing. Let's pray. Uh, Lord God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this command, this practice, this lifestyle that we are supposed to have to honor you. Lord, we each sit here in different places. Some of us have been at this church forever. Some have never been before. Uh, Some of us have good friends. Some of us are just starting to know people. Lord, we pray your grace would cover our minds and our hearts, but that for all of us who know you, Lord, we would, we would push into seeking hospitality in a way uh, that you are calling us to. Lord, help us team together, help us work together, help us serve one another, help us have compassion towards one another in this. But let us grow in it, God, for your glory. Father, if there's anyone here who, who doesn't know you in this way, I just pray that they would see maybe salvation in a new way. Uh, of you being such a hospitable God, the Lord and creator of the universe who would have every right to push us away, to judge us for our evil doing. Lord, instead, you judged your son in our place and that through faith in him, oh, we are invited to your living room to sit at your table. What a thought, Lord God. We love you for your hospitality. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. And we invite you to visit us Sunday mornings here at Fountain of Life Fellowship. For more information, visit www.folfcrc.com.